many of you have realized of late that we're in a battle in America that is very spiritual? Don't shout me down now. You know, sometimes you know you're, you're in sort of a skirmish with the enemy, but then other times you know that there's just a real war going on. And, um, you know, the Bible predicts that we would be experiencing the times that we are right now. And you know that many places in the Bible, but I want to go to one place in particular that I keep being pulled back to in my own devotional life. And I always tell you, I'm going to shoot real straight with you today. Is that okay? Uh, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to read the Bible. and I'm going to just shoot straight because I believe people are hungry to hear straight up truth. I really believe we're tired of ear tickling and, you know, fluff messages and God wants everybody rich kind of stuff. And we want to get down to what does the Bible really say? Amen. So I'm going to look at second Timothy three verse one, and let me just read a prophecy given by the apostle Paul. Here we go. He says, starting at verse one, this is the living Bible. You may as well know this too, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be terrible times, vicious, violent, hard to bear, where it's going to be very difficult to be a Christian. I'm reading the Bible here. Did you catch that? How many of you can say it's it's been difficult to be a Christian? Amen. Now let's just read on. Now listen to this laundry list Paul's going to give us about last day's character of people. For people will love only themselves and their money. Everybody say selfie. They'll love only themselves. Have you noticed on social media, people film themselves walking down the grocery store aisle like, like it's a historic event? Right? I mean, the, all is lacking is trumpets and a red carpet. Yeah, I'm shopping. Here I am at the soup aisle. I just wanted to film it because I thought you'd want to see it. No, I didn't really want to see that. Okay, let's move on. People are going to love themselves and their money. They will be proud and boastful, sneering at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful to them, and thoroughly bad. They will be hard-headed and never give in to others. Don't look at your spouse, look up at me. All right? They will be hard-headed and never give in to others. They will be, listen to this, constant liars and troublemakers and they will think nothing of immorality oh no no we're proud of it they will be rough and cruel and sneer at those who try to be good verse 4 they will betray their friends they'll be hot-headed puffed up with pride they'll prefer good times to worshiping god They'll go to church, yes, but they won't really believe anything they hear. But what are they doing there? The social benefits, looking for a spouse, whatever. Y'all are quiet. I know this is not a jump up and shout passage, but is this not where we are today? Okay, let me read it. He says, don't be taken in by people who are like that. People that go to church, they don't believe anything they hear. Don't be taken in by them. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that it will penetrate. Help us to understand where we were and where we are. And Lord, help us to understand today when we leave to better grasp how to survive, thrive 
in a toxic culture. Can you believe, uh, pray a prayer and just say, Lord, today I receive your word into my spirit. Let it change me in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell your neighbor the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. Now, how many of you, as I read this list, were going, amen, that's kind of what I'm seeing, amen, I, that's what I'm seeing out there, right? So, again, this is a prophecy from the Apostle Paul. So I want to take this prophecy, and I want to give you what I'm calling today advice from the battlefield. I want to give you some advice from the battlefield. Now, I think one of the reasons I'm constantly pulled back to these verses is because they're being fulfilled all around us. This is a, an extremely prescient prophecy. Because all around us, our culture is going this way. Uh, as a matter of fact, in 1 Timothy 4.1, Paul writes again to his young son in the faith about the last days. And he's talking along the same vein. And he says, The Spirit distinctly, undeniably tells me that in the last days, Professing Christians are going to turn away from sound teaching and give their itching ears to seductive teachings taught by devils. Now he said in the last days, and that's where we are. So he's letting us know deception is going to be pandemic. You want to talk about a pandemic? Let's talk about a real one. Deception out there is pandemic. And we're going to see in just a little bit how in the world do Christians survive in such a toxic culture? But let me, let me just lay some groundwork. It is this low condition of men's character that will make the last days so hard for Christians to bear. Why are they hard to bear? Why does he tell us it's going to be hard to be a Christian in the last days? And, and well, he, then he proceeds to let us know why. Because of where the character of men will go. He said men's character, people's character, is what's going to make it hard for Christians to bear. It means Christians are going to have to learn how to deal with deceived, mean-spirited, ungrateful, spiteful, and hateful people. Any of those around you? Uh, you seen any lately? Seen any in rush hour traffic out there on I-35? Seen any of these at work? You bumped into anybody that's kind of mean-spirited, ungrateful, spiteful, and hateful? Is not our culture right now boiling in hate? Come on, everybody. Is not our culture out there exactly what the Apostle Paul has described? And that's why he says in the last days it's going to be very difficult to be a Christian. Why? For people will dot, dot, dot. So Jesus also predicted that we Christians would be hated for our faith. Now, you say, well, this isn't very uplifting, Pastor Jeff. Listen, it is going to be, but i got to tell you the truth. Jesus told us the truth. Jesus said this. So that you're not shocked or knocked sideways when somebody doesn't like you because of your faith. Here's what Jesus said. All nations will hate you because you are my followers, but everybody who endures to the end will be saved. So Jesus said, if you really walk with me, talk with me, and begin to look like me and take a stand for me, people are not going to like you for that reason alone. They're not going to like you. And so he, he prepared us for that. 
but, but I'm going to take it a little step further, and I'm really going to meddle now. Even some church folks are going to be in this troublesome batch of people. Our toxic culture, and our culture is toxic, is infiltrating the church. These days, many people, certainly not everybody at all, but many people walk through the church doors who have not yet applied Christ's teaching to their hearts. They don't understand forgiveness. They readily gossip. They have little or no respect for authority, and they can't distinguish the natural from the sacred. The pastor, he's just another man. The church house is just another building like the nearest mall. Nothing special. And these people walk in. And let me tell you, there's going to be a lot of them walking in. And that's why I want to prepare you for that. Because we want them to walk in. We want them here. We want the down and outers. We want the up and outers. We want the messed up, the mixed up, the confused. We want them in here. Because we want them to hear the Word of God. We want them saved. And as we always say at the offering, we want them saved, healed, and delivered. Because we know the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So we want them here. But we're going to have to deal with them. You're going to have to deal with them. I'm going to have to deal with them. We, all of us are out there come Monday morning in a culture that is growing increasingly toxic. And we've got to know how to deal with it. Now, it's not a big shock or surprise, it shouldn't be to anybody in here, that the character of people in our day has declined. Can I have an amen? amen? Character has declined. Have you noticed it's not an Andy Griffith world anymore? Amen? Have you noticed that Father doesn't know best? Have you noticed the changes going on in our culture? So let me share a few of the signs of cultural decline. And what, what is making it so toxic? And then I want to share with you how to deal with it. First of all, here's some signs of decline. I've been around long enough to watch the decline. Matter of fact, when I started preaching, America was a very different place than it is now. It's not at all the same as it was when I started preaching. Now, you say, well, when did you start preaching? A hundred years ago? No, I started preaching a little over 40 years ago. And I'm telling you, it's not the same country. Here's some of the signs of decline. Open profanity in public forums is as common as the grass on the ground. How many of you are sick to death of hearing curse words all the time? But that's where the culture's gone. There there was a day when parents would not even remotely consider cursing in front of their children to avoid being a bad example. I was in a store the other day, um, and so I'm by myself, and I got a little cart, and I'm wheeling around trying to find things like men always do in stores because we don't know where stuff is like the women. We're lost in a store. And so I'm wandering around looking, and all of a sudden, here's this this woman, and she screams at her little 8-year-old, one of the worst profane words out there, and commanded him with this profanity to go find dad. Loud, trumpeted this word. And the little boy ran off to find dad and came back and used the same word. And I thought it didn't used to be that way. There was a day when children would never consider cursing in front of their parents unless they wanted a mouthful of soap. I've had a mouthful of soap. Come on, everybody. 
I've had my mother took me and put a bar of soap in my mouth, and I think I didn't cuss for at least a week. But you know what I'm saying. You got in trouble for it, but now parents in front of children, children in front of parents, nobody seems to care. That's decline. That's decline. Vulgarity, obscenity, profanity have become a commonplace characteristic both in and out of the home. Just give a listen to kids getting off the school bus. It'll shock you. Listen to the teachers in the break room. Listen to the employees at the fast food restaurant. Yeah. Listen to the vulgarity in the lyrics of today's songs. There are songs out there today that never, never would have gotten a country mile near being produced 30 years ago. Full of vulgarity, full of profanity, full of perversion. Violence, rape, incest, pornography of all kinds fill our nation's media. And we no longer blush. I want to remind us again of what Proverbs 14.34 says. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. And all this stuff we're seeing in our homes. And all the filth that we're hearing in public, television, radio, movie screens, are the SOS warning signals that America is in decline. And I think so many of us are like the frog in the boiling water. We've been in that water as it gotten hotter and hotter, and we don't even notice what's really happened. But it's in decline. Another warning sign of decline is the violence and the crime that flood our streets. There was a day when neighbors didn't have to take turns policing their own neighborhoods. There was a day when moms could tell their kids to go out and play without fearing that somebody was going to snatch them off the street. My mother used to tell me, get out of here and I'll call you when dinner comes. And kick me out and I'd be on the streets for hours at a time playing marbles, skating, riding my bike with no fear of somebody pulling up in a van and grabbing me. Can't do that anymore. Oh no, you can't do that anymore because the culture is in decline and we need to be aware of it. Because what is the answer to a, decline, a culture in decline? It is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel. And this is why I'm sharing this, because we've got to stand up and speak up and shine. There was a day when nobody had bars on their windows for protection. Yeah. There was a day when it was unimaginable that somebody would shoot at you for pulling in front of them on the highway. But these days... You need bulletproof windshields. There was a day when it was inconceivable, excuse me, that a person or a group of people would destroy a fast food restaurant, assault the staff, and even kill somebody for not putting enough hot sauce in their order. But we're seeing these kinds of things happen in front of us more and more all throughout America. Why? Because it's in decline. I've got to give you one more sign of decline. And that is the corruption that permeates our once trusted institutions. Webster's defines corruption as dishonest or fraudulent conduct by those in power, almost always involving ill-gotten money through bribes. That said, there was a day when honesty, folks, you know this is true, integrity and honor 
used to be the hallmarks of the FBI, CIA, and Department of Justice, and they could be trusted, but no more. In recent years, we've watched all of them become politicized and make decisions to serve the agenda of a political party, not the genuine pursuit of law and order and justice. We've witnessed the lawmakers becoming the law breakers, and that's because society is in decline. Jesus said it would happen. Paul said it would happen. In the last days, there's going to be perilous times. Here's what men's character is going to look like. Here's what men and women are going to live like. Here's how they're going to conduct themselves. There's going to be a cultural decline. Paul predicted that a toxic culture would develop in the last days so that it's going to be stressful and very difficult to be a Christian. Amen. Now, I deal with this a lot with what I do. I deal with this kind of uh, decline, and I deal with difficult people a lot. So I've come to a few resolves in my own life, and I want to encourage you to do the same. How many of you would like a few little tips, a little a few little nuggets of wisdom on how to survive in a toxic culture? Everybody say, this, this culture is toxic. How am I going to survive and thrive in a toxic culture? All right, let me give you some things that I've decided to do. One, don't let the bad behavior of others destroy your inner peace. I'm going to read that again. Don't let the bad behavior of others destroy your inner peace. Don't let the bad behavior of people rob your joy, take away your inner peace. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. So when nastiness comes your way, and it will, this won't always be easy. It's a decision you've got to make. I'm not going to let the bad behavior of other people, the immaturity of other people, the fleshliness of other people, even sometimes the wickedness of other people destroy my inner peace. I'm going to watch over my inner peace and I'm going to let the peace of God rule in my heart to which I have also been called. I haven't been called to worry. I haven't been called to fear. I haven't been called to consternation, but I have been called to walk in the peace of God. And so have you. Amen. So, so when you encounter, and I encounter the bad behavior of other people, you got to just basically say, this is not worth my inner peace. I'm not going to let this person, this behavior, destroy my inner peace. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give it to God. Have you ever just stopped and thought, why am I dealing with this when I could easily give it to God? Amen? Amen. I was going down I-35 when nothing good happens. <clears throat> I-35, they'll test your Christianity to the marrow of the bone. And I was going down I-35, and somebody thought that I did something that I didn't do. They, I guess they thought that I pulled in front of them or whatever. I didn't. I'm just minding my own. And all of a sudden, this person is next to me, and all of a sudden, they wheel around quickly, angrily, shoot past me, giving me a look. You know, the look. The look. It was not a God bless you look. No, it was the look. It was not a have a great day look. Oh, no, no. It was I wish you were dead kind of look. And they sped past me, pulled over in front of me, and put on their brakes. Yeah. 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 Now, my first reaction was to go Texas on them. 
right? And, and do, get, get a little bit of Texas justice. You know what that is. You think you can speed past me? Well, this little car I'm, I'm in has some horsepower too. I stopped and I thought, you know what? God saw this. And so I give it to God. And I got to be super honest with you. My little mother was with me. My little 97-year-old mother was with me. And she about had a heart attack. And, and, and it scared her. It scared her half to death. So that was another reason for me to go Texas on them. But I didn't. I went God on them. I went Jesus on them. And I said, Lord, me and my little mother, we give them to you. Because it must be tough to be so miserable that you got to act this way on the highway. So I gave them to God. And I experienced peace. Practice forgiveness. When somebody comes at you and it's really difficult and hard to bear, practice forgiveness. Let your motto be that the best vengeance is none. Amen. Y'all didn't like that one too much. Everybody say with me, the best vengeance is none. No. Let His peace rule. Can we say that together? Let His peace rule. So when bad behavior comes your way, don't let it take your inner peace. That's my resolve. I'm going to walk in the peace of God. I am not going to let the peace of God be stolen from my heart. I am not going to let somebody come in and take it away where I'm walking around in anger or I'm walking around with worry or I'm walking around in fear or I'm walking around with some kind of angst. Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to walk in the peace of God because Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. No, no, no. I'm not going to take it back like the world takes things back. But I gave you my peace, and I want you to walk in my peace. Undisturbed calm in the midst of a storm. Amen? Amen. Yeah, the second resolve I'm working on is this one. Make the most of what comes and the least of what goes. Amen? I'm going to say that again because about five of you got that. I can tell by your face. Make the most of what comes and the least of what goes. Listen to what Paul said. He said people in the last days are going to betray one another. This means some of the people you thought were your friends. Now let me get real, real with you. Some of the people you thought were your friends or that you always assumed were with you, loyal to you, committed to you, in your camp, on your side, will turn and walk away. Sometimes, not everybody, but some will turn and walk away. I think of the Paul, uh, the uh, words of Paul, and he wrote these words clearly with a sting in his voice. He said, Demas has deserted me. Now, who was Demas? Well, Demas had once been one of Paul's traveling companions and fellow laborers in the cause of Christ. He had traveled with him. He mentions him in some of his other epistles. Demas was a friend. He was a co-laborer. He was a fellow brother in Christ. He had been with Paul during persecutions, during tough times, good times and bad. Yet Demas walked away when Paul was headed to trial and needed him more than he'd ever needed him because now he's going to face Caesar. And he faced Caesar completely alone because Demas walked away. And likewise, some people these days walk away from commitments, friendships, marriages, jobs, churches, as easily as they breathe. They just walk away. Let me encourage you with something. When they walk away, 
Listen carefully. When others walk out, you can count on Jesus walking in with his faithful provision. Amen. Come on, everybody. I want you to say with me, when somebody walks out, Jesus walks in. Why? Because he sees what happens to you and me. And he's not going to leave us alone. I am with you always, even into the end of the world. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never divorce you. I will never walk out on you. I will never dislike you. I will never walk away when you need me. But I am there with you every step of the way. We've got a God. We've got a Jesus who will never leave us to fight our battles alone. When others walk out, and they will from time to time, Jesus walks in. He says, it's okay, I'm going to pull in the slack. I'm going to give you somebody, I'm going to give you some other somebodies who are going to be more like a Ruth than a Naomi. Matter of fact, instead of leavers, I'm going to give you cleavers. And I don't mean Ward and June either. That's also for the baby boomers in here. But see, people are leavers these days. They're leavers. They're leavers. They leave. But you know what Jesus does? He raises them into our life that are like him. And they're cleavers. They cleave. They stick. They stay. They're with you. They're true. They're honest. They're loyal. He brings in cleavers when the leavers have left. Amen. Yes, he does. And so I've resolved not to focus on the leavers, but to focus on the cleavers when they come and make the most of that. Oh, look what the Lord has done. So-and-so walked away, so-and-so walked away, but look what the Lord has done. He has brought into my life better. He has brought into my life stronger. He has brought into my life something brighter. He's never checkmated by the devil. Amen. So when somebody walks out, you need to start looking up and going, okay, who's coming? What's coming? Because I know that you're going to pull in the slack. God does that. Amen? So I've resolved in this toxic culture where people are going to leave, people are going to walk away, people are going to break covenant. They're going to walk away. I've resolved. I'm going to make the most out of who comes in and what comes in. You know, Paul the Apostle, in another place, he said, You know, he said, when I had to go in front of Caesar, everybody in Asia forsook me. You know who that means? Thousands of people that he had won to Christ. When it came time for him to go in front of Caesar, the big guy who with the blink of an eye could have you taken out. When it came to going in front of him, everybody that he had won to Christ walked away. Everybody in Asia has forsaken me. I read this this morning. It's such a great, great verse. He said, everybody walked away. Okay, so there you got the levers. Everybody walked away when I needed them most. Not only Demas, but all of my converts, they walked away. Nobody stood with me, not a soul. Levers. Flesh was weak. Nobody stood with him. Nobody wanted to risk their lives. But what did Paul say? But the Lord stood with me. Come on, everybody. The Lord stood with me. 
oh golly, I read that, and I just had to put the Bible down for a minute. And, and you know what, I grabbed my pen, I've read it a million times, I grabbed my pen, and I circled that sucker, and then I double circled it, and then I triple circled it, and then I highlighted it. When the leavers left, the cleaver stepped in. <laughs> the cleaver stepped in. Jesus, who never walked. And he went on and he said, and he strengthened me. He didn't just come in, but he gave me strength I didn't have. He picked me up when I couldn't do it on my own. He pulled in the slack. He said, Paul, you're going to go in front of Caesar. I know they all left. They all walked away, but, but I'm here. And you know what? I'm enough. I'm enough. I am enough. Can I, can I just be real super theological with you today and tell you Jesus really is all you need? Jesus really is all you need? Yeah. Because he said, the Lord stood with me and he strengthened me. And then he said this, so that the preaching could be fully known. And I preached His Gospel to the Gentiles, Caesar included. And even though I was alone, I wasn't alone at all. Because standing right next to me was the ultimate cleaver. The one who sticks closer than a brother. Who will never walk out. Never leave you high and dry. And he'll help you to do what you got to do even though no one else is there to help you do it. Come on, everybody. How many of you need Jesus the cleaver today? The, the one that sticks. Come on, wave your hands if you need Jesus today. How many of you can say somebody has walked out, but when they did, he walked in? Come on, give a wave. Look at all that. A last way that I've learned to protect my heart and my soul in trying times, toxic culture times, is ignore the mudslingers. Ignore the mudslingers. You know, every mudslinger has dirty hands. Amen? We live in a very critical, accusing, mudslinging culture. Have you noticed that? Look at the news. All you see is mudslinging. That's all that's going on. Mudslinging this direction and mudslinging back that direction. Paul warned the people in the last days would be unloving. They would be unforgiving. And they would slander others. Particularly badly in the last days. Slander comes from the Greek word diabolos, from which we get devil. And slander means the accuser. Diabolos literally means the accuser. It means to defame somebody. To unjustly criticize somebody in order to hurt them is to attack them with no real grounds. Criticism of Christians is the devil's specialty. Have you noticed that? Oh yeah, we live in a gotcha culture. Gotcha. You're busted. Gotcha, you did wrong. Gotcha, you shouldn't have this. Gotcha, you shouldn't have that. I gotcha, and I gotcha on the iPhone too. And, and I gotcha, I got pictures, I got video, I got all of that. I gotcha. Somebody has rightly noted Christians are the only army that shoots their own wounded. Mm -hmm. Having pastored a very long time, I can tell you that the only exercise some people get in the body of Christ is jumping to conclusions. 
and running people down. Now, some criticisms come from a heart of love that we need to listen to and grow. Because some people tell us something corrective that we need to hear, and that's a good thing. But others come with a motivation to tear you down. What do you do when you're the one targeted to be torn down? Well, you you, you got to remember, if they keep kicking you in the backside, it means you're still out front. Yeah. Remember that. People don't mess with somebody that's not doing anything. They come against somebody that's making a mark. And they come along with their eraser to take your mark away. But you've got to learn, when somebody comes at me with criticism, I'm going to ignore it. The prophet Jeremiah had critics everywhere. And listen to what he wrote. He said, you heard God, they're vicious gossip. They're behind my back plots to ruin me. They never quit. These enemies of mine dreaming up mischief, hatching malice day after day after day, sitting down or standing up. Just look at them, Jeremiah said to God. So what did he do? He took the critics' words and he gave them to God. Everybody say, when I'm criticized, my father hears it. Are you there? Y'all got a case of the no-nods today. You're making me nervous. At least do this. Do you know what I'm saying? How many of you have been criticized in the last year? Raise your hand. How many of you criticized you for something you didn't do? It was false. It was wrong. How'd that work out for you? It's not easy, is it? But here's what you got to learn. Jeremiah said, you heard, God. You heard. You heard. You heard. Because if he's standing right next to me and he's the one that will never leave me, he's the cleaver, not the lever, but he cleaves right next to me. He sticks. Then what comes at me comes at him. What comes at me comes at him. How many of you have children in here? Raise your hand if you've got kiddos. And what, what is your emotion when you go out and you see somebody attacking one of your children? I'll tell you what it is. You attack them, my friend, you attack me. Amen? Well, that's the way God is. He says, Jeremiah says, you heard them. God hears every word your critics speak and will some way, someday bring it into account. In the meantime, you got to give it to God. You know why? I'm not focusing on people that are trying to tear me down. I'm not going to focus on them. So Jeremiah said, look at them. In other words, God, this is your battle. It's not mine. So you focus on them while I focus on you. Amen. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I give their words to God. I'm not going to let critics tear me down. No, no. In these toxic times, if somebody criticizes and it's unjust, it's mean-spirited, it's just to hurt me, tear me down, and you ought to be the same way, then you say, you know what, I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to keep my eye on Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. It is now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and ever lives to make intercession for me. Amen. Notice what it says of Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. His focus was not the cross. It was what was coming. It was the joy of the Lord, not the cross. Stand with me today, would you? 
Amen. So to protect my soul in trying times, I want you to repeat this after me. I refuse to allow the behavior of others to destroy my inner peace. Now you're going to have a chance before 3 o'clock today. I want you to remember. All right? Second, make the most of what comes and the least of what goes. Don't focus on the mudslingers. Focus on the Lord. Can we lift our hands to the Lord Jesus today? Lord, we're in a toxic culture that is in decline. No doubt about it. And the character of people is in decline. And that means they're not going to be easy to be around all the time. And so, Lord, we just put on Jesus and we take these little nuggets of wisdom that we would not lose our peace, not lose our joy, not lose our focus, not lose our walk, but we would keep right on keeping on in the path to finish the will of God for our life. Can you pray a prayer with me right now, church, and say, help me, Lord, to finish strong. I started strong. Help me to finish strong. Strengthen my heart. And thank you, Lord. You are never going to walk away. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise today. Amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. By the way, my little mother that was in the car with me, I was taking her to my house. She's 97. She doesn't have anything wrong. I said, Mother, when you do go home to Jesus, they need to take your body and study it. (laughs) Because you got something going on in your body that they need to discover because I called her today how you, or yesterday, last night. How you doing? Oh, I'm wonderful. I'm great. She has COVID. And I said, well, you can't be great. You've got COVID. Oh, it's no big deal. I'm doing fine. My little mother, about five foot one. Her schedule rivals mine. But you know what she does every day? She said, Jeffrey, she's the only one that calls me that. I roll out of bed and I get on my knees and I say, thank you, Jesus for my health. And she said, Jeffrey, every day I pray for you and I pray for your church and I lift you up to Jesus. And, when I, and then I give him everything I might be worried about. And she said, Jeffrey, I have no worries because they're with the Lord. Amen? Yeah. She didn't always be that, wasn't always that way. I led her to Christ. Before she came to Christ, she made fun of my walk, made fun of my Christianity. But she's a totally changed woman. I had to pray for about 25 years, but listen, don't give up on your loved ones. Pray for them. Amen.